What is going on, coaches? A reminder, if you haven't heard it enough this month, uh, we still have the RTP 20 Summit. It is coming up February 24th through 28th. Every day at 6 p.m. Central, we'll be showing two presentations. If you guys will log in and watch it live, it's free. Also, uh, you can chat uh, with all the other coaches that are on watching it at the same time. Uh, and we have had a lot of our summit presenters say that they're going to try to be on at the same time too. So a good chance for you guys to maybe ask them questions or even bounce ideas off of other coaches that are watching it as well. Again, that's all free. If you want to pay for those videos because you want to watch them again uh, or you miss a few nights, if you guys order that right now before the summit starts, it's going to be at its cheapest price. And then our members, you guys will get the same price, 50 bucks, no matter what. If you're an RTP premium member, you get all the RTP premium stuff and you'll also get the summit for $50. So you guys can check all of that out. But again, it's free if you watch it live. You can see all of that at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. Team at Just Play, as you guys know, has hooked us up with their product, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. Uh, we love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, obviously, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, a little bit of wide zone this year, um, but it allows us to save the formations we normally use. And for me, the, the thing that saves me the most time is being able to save defensive formations, drag and drop those on top of my plays. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120. That's $60 off the normal list price. Um, get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Nick Johnson. Coach Johnson's the O-line coach at Parkview High School in Lilburn, Georgia. Listen as we talk with Coach Johnson about his excellent football journey from the University of South Carolina to a startup program at Coastal Carolina, his baseball career, and how he coaches his offensive line at one of the best programs in Georgia. You can follow Coach Johnson on Twitter at CoachJohnson50. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, Coach Johnson, so how we always start this is, is have you kind of introduce yourself uh, and your, your football journey from, from, you know, your playing days to – coaching and how it brought you to where you are now all right um so i went to uh Lugaville high school uh which is about about 20 minutes from where i live now in lilburn um i grew up thought i was thought i was gonna be a baseball player um i really didn't play football uh much i played when i was six and then i didn't play again until i was 11 and then i didn't like it again, so I didn't play when I was 12, and then I played when I was a freshman in high school, and then thought I was going to be a baseball player again, so I almost quit football, and then uh, I think God outgrew me for baseball, so I saw the uh, the light and uh, decided that I wanted to play football, and my uh, sophomore year was the first time I'd ever started a game um, in high school. And I really had never thought about playing college football or anything. And after the first game I, I played in, my head coach was like, man, that was, that was pretty good. Like, you keep doing that, you could uh, play college ball. And I was like, what? What does that mean? You know? So, um, 
so that's kind of where it started for me. Um, so I played, obviously played three years or started three years at Loganville. And then I actually signed with South Carolina um, in 2000 with uh, Coach Holtz. And um, I was there for three years. And uh, we were, <clears throat> the year before I signed, they had went 0-11. And uh, so I thought, you know, like I could probably go in and play early and, you know, the SEC for playing linemen uh, early is, is usually not a good thing for, for teams uh, when linemen are playing early. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I went in and and we they had a lot of guys that had gotten a lot of experience because they did play early and I just kind of, you know, waited my turn a little bit. But, um, you know, I didn't, didn't quite uh, feel like I was ever going to be, you know, one of the everyday guys there so um i was actually planning on graduating early and just going to georgia and get my master's which i i ended up doing but not graduating early but um a buddy of mine came and sat my locker one or near my locker one day i was like hey i'm might transfer to uh the school i know that you're looking to go somewhere or whatever i was like well not really but what is it and uh coastal carolina was starting a program um this was back in uh the fall would have been the yeah it'd have been the fall of 2002 um so it's my third season at south carolina and uh i actually met coach bennett who was the head coach then uh, at a tailgate he came to a south carolina tailgate um and he's actually a he's actually a clemson fan um but he came to the game for whatnot and i i just met him and um I sent them my film because there was no transfer portal uh, 15 years ago. <laughs> it'd been a lot easier <laughs> 15 right. years ago. It'd been a lot easier nowadays. Um, so I had to I had to get our film guy. I never forget going to the film guy and going, uh, Joe, I need a film of our scrimmage this summer and and like a couple <laughs> practices. Like, what you need that for? I'm like, uh, just need it, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> so there was there was no digital you know, film or anything at the time. Um, so I got film, sent it to them, and because uh, I was only going to be a two-year guy, so they wanted to make sure uh, that they were investing into me the right way, I guess, is the best way to put that. But uh, so they saw my film and then offered me. My mom freaked out, you know, is this going to be the same scholarship and is everything going to be the same way? And, you know, I'm like, it's mom, I promise you, I'll have them call you. Like, it's the same thing, um, except I'll be at the beach, which will be even better. Um, you know, so I'll play, which will be even better. Um, so actually it was January of 2003. Um, I transferred uh, to Coastal. So I transferred mid uh, semester and or mid-year and um when i first got there uh you know i just come from the sec which was you know i i grew i was raised you know we, we were lower to middle income so I, I wasn't used to just you know having all the elaborate stuff and then i go to the sec and you know i get spoiled because you know we get a new pair of gloves every game and you know we got two pair of cleats one for practice one for game turf shoes all <laughs> stuff like yep. that and then I get to Coastal, and um, we're sharing a locker room with the men's soccer team. And I'm like, what is going on? Where did I come to? <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was crazy. I, and I feel I, – I'm, 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 
it's amazing what I did and, and when I went and all that stuff. But all the all the signees in the first class, they had had to practice that whole fall before that, um, you know, without ever playing or anything. So they told me stories when I got there about how, you know, I missed all that stuff. And then our first ever practice at Coastal, I'll never forget. Um, <clears throat> coach is like, all right, load your stuff up and uh, put it in the put it in the trucks. We're going to Conway Wreck. And I was like, what? Like, where are we going? And they're like, we're going to the rec department. I'm like, we're practicing at a youth football field. I, I really thought, uh, like, I was, it, it was, I was in a dream of some sort. Um, <laughs> That'd be crazy. I was like, yeah, I was like, this is, this was not in all the postcards and stuff that you showed me whenever, uh, whenever I committed to come here. And, You're like, um, okay, you guys got me. I, I forgot to ask uh, if you practice at the football field. <laughs> yeah. So we went and we practiced at the rec field the whole time, and. Uh, that first spring I was there, um, you know, we shared the locker room and, and all the, the stadium and the locker room and the practice fields were all being done. They were supposed to be done by that fall. Um, so that was that was definitely a uh, a step down. Now, my uh, the roommate of mine, Brandon Jeffco, he transferred from uh, South Carolina with me. He was actually a walk on at South Carolina, but they um, he had some scholarship at Coastal and um his brother had just uh, signed with the Braves. He got drafted with the Braves in, I think, the I don't know, 10th or 12th round. And the Myrtle Beach Pelicans were actually the, the Braves affiliate back then. And uh, he was like, man, my brother, they live in this condo like two miles from the beach. Like, he can probably hook us up. So we moved there. We moved in this two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo with a screened-in porch. The backyard was – uh, a lake, the 18th green, and a pool and jacuzzi. So oh, <laughs> it, it was oh, amazing. We're living now, boys. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and the funny thing is, um, kind of to fast forward a little bit, but my my friends from South Carolina, I, I'm I'm sitting here jealous of them because they get all this stuff. But you know, every single weekend of the entire summer, I had somebody from South Carolina coming down to visit me because <laughs> right. I was in Myrtle Beach and we had this nice place, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was a uh, a definite um, eye opener when we got there. Um, you know, just as far as what we had, but uh, when the stadium was finished and and you know the the old joke was they were they were hammering. I mean, you could hear drills and hammers going our first game um, in the stadium. You're like, oh my goodness, like is this really going to happen? Um, and we actually, the first ever game, we played Newberry, um, who was a D2 school, but they had, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He, he had, they, they had like three or four guys that had transferred down from Clemson. Um, so I mean, they were good. I mean, they were talented. They were one of the best teams we played the, the two years that I was there. And, um, we ended up driving down, uh, we, we got the ball like on the five yard line with, I don't know, three or four minutes left. And um, we, it was like third and long and we ran, uh, I think a draw and our running back took it for like 15 yards. And we're like, oh, we got something. So we ended up going down and scoring with uh, time expiring. And, you know, this is the first game of school history and the whole place jumped in that stadium tore the goalpost down. Um, I mean, it was it was nuts, and uh, we actually had a production company that year follow us because it was like a start of the program. Um, and I, I go back and watch them every now and then because I still have a bunch of the copies. But um, 
they followed us through that and and all these you know it, it was a crazy crazy massive party that night and and it was like the all the people and police of conway were just good with it you know they were just like hey you know we're just gonna block the city off and let these college students have at it um so that was one of the probably one of the coolest sports memories of my life was winning that winning that first game but uh so anyway we went we ended up going six and five that year um we only won one conference game i believe and then the next season we went uh the last season i was there we went 10 and one um the only loss we had was to newberry um which was pretty ironic and i um we played our i think it was our second game of the year my senior year and uh, I ended up riding back home with some buddies and my stomach was hurting. I thought I had food poisoning because we ended a Shoney's, which would make sense. And, uh, <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> and, and I, get, I lay down on the training table and, and our trainer touches my stomach, like right below my belly button. I'm like, what was that? I like reached up and about punched him. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's where your appendix is. So I actually had my appendix taken out. Um, yeah, like the second game of the season, after the second game of the season. So here I'm going through my head. I'm like, can I get a medical red shirt? You know, like, am I, can I stay here for another sixth year? And um, they were like, no, you can you can play back in, you know, two or three weeks. And I was like, oh, sweet. So um, one of those two weeks, though, was Newberry. So I missed the Newberry game. So that was very, you know, I got pretty agitated about that that we lost that game but we went 10 and 1 that year won the conference which was really awesome um and then uh what was it my my first year there i was second team all conference my, my second year there i was first team all conference and i made all american as well so it, it was a really really cool experience i got a lot of cool stories for coastal and and my time there my, my two years there i worked at medieval times uh in the summer which is one of the best jobs i've ever had in my life <laughs> that's crazy um and i tell my wife my wife were there with me i was like i tell her from time to time i'm like um i'm like if, I, if they would let me work like one saturday a month or something i'd still go do it i mean because it was awesome um so it was it was a great time um, but that was my, that was my college journey. As soon as I got out of, uh, I went to, uh, University of Georgia, I got accepted. Um, I, I realized I wanted to be a teacher, uh, about my second year when I was at South Carolina and I went to my academic counselor and I was like, I figured it out. I figured out my life. I want to be a teacher. And they were like, that's awesome. We don't have an education program. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. And uh, so I wanted to be a, some type of business or digital technology teacher. And um, I majored in information technology at South Carolina. So then when I transferred to Coastal, um, they had education, but I was too far along. So we had to go back into business because they didn't have information technology. So I finished with my business undergrad. So I actually went to the University of Georgia and got my master's in, in teaching um, in basically business education. Um, went in for an interview um i uh when i first got to georgia uh, i told the counseling lady I, I had this plan i was like i'm gonna do a year i'm gonna you know i'd never student taught so i was like i'm gonna do my year i'm gonna get certified to teach and then hopefully i'm gonna get higher on provisional salary or provisional um and and then you know do my student teaching through that and she's like she's like honey you can't do that without a bachelor's degree i'm like I, i'm i'm in the master's program and she's like, 
no wonder I can't find your file. And uh, I was like, man, this is a, uh, you know, I thought it was supposed to be a prestigious university and I can't even find my file. Um, so I did my, my year at Georgia and um, I actually did get, I got hired back at my high school, Loganville High School. Um, I had never taught a day in my life. I had never done an internship. I had never done anything. And, you know, I, I don't really get nervous very often, but I was, I was definitely like, Hey, this is, this is going to be something different. <laughs> Hopefully I like kids because, uh, you know, I've never really, um, you know, taught or anything. So I started teaching at Loganville and, um, I, uh, Eric Godfrey was the head coach there. My, my head coach had since retired and he was just the AD. Um, and there was a, a younger guy by the name of Eric Godfrey who, had taken over, never met him before. And um, when I first met him, he was like, yeah, we we do need some ninth grade help. And I was like, ninth grade, what? You know, like, you know, like that's beneath me. Why would I coach little ninth graders? Um, and honestly, it was a blessing in disguise to do that my first year since it was my first year teaching. And I had to do um, like classes and stuff with my first year teaching. So I taught ninth grade the first year. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, the second year, or uh, we had a guy leave, so I asked him to come up to varsity. He was like, oh, I didn't know you wanted to do varsity. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, like, hello. <laughs> um, so, I, so I came up. I did defensive line for one year, which was which was different because, you know, I played D-line in high school, but I didn't really know a bunch about D-line. And then my third year, the offensive line coach left, um, and uh, I was immediately jumped on that. And he was like, you know, so I changed the offensive line third year. Fourth year, our offensive coordinator left because he went to be a principal. Um, and my head coach came to me and was like, hey, like, you know, ROC is leaving. Um, you know, I think that's the position that, you know, you're going to be in. I was like, what? I was like, I can't call plays. I don't know anything about calling plays. Um and he was like, I'm going to call plays, but, you know, you can have the title, do all the administrative stuff. You can do the practice schedules and scripts and all that other stuff. So, um, so I was the OC three or four years, learned, um, you know, from Eric. Uh, his time there, though, he was – he always called plays because, I mean, that was one of his passions. And then um, when he decided to leave, uh, I, uh, I decided – I was wavering on going to Parkview because he ended up getting the job at Parkview. I was wavering and going to Parkview or not. It was about 35, 40 minutes from my house. So I didn't know if I wanted to drive, and, and they didn't necessarily have the business ed position. So I decided to stay in Loganville. Um, and then uh, we made a, a, a pretty um, choice hire that didn't go so well. So I stayed for one more year. I uh, went to Appalachia High School for one year. Um, and then something finally opened up at Parkview with Eric and uh came back to Parkview or came to Parkview and uh, I've been the offensive line coach there for the past four years and um you know Parkview if you're not familiar they back in the early 2000s it was um they had went they went 45 and 0 they won 15 games in a row three years in a row and won the state championship and like all sports were good Jeff Francoeur who you know, play for the Braves, and he's a commentator for the Braves now. He was playing football and baseball here at the time, and um, you know, all of our sports programs. If you come into our cafeteria, it's it's crazy. You know, we've won, you know, I can't remember eighty to a hundred state championships across sports, and like last two springs ago, we won 
baseball, women's soccer, and men's track in the same spring. Uh, baseball's won five state championships in the last 10 years. Um, you know, we, we're, we're getting the program, football program back. We went to the Final Four this year. Um, it's a really unique community. It's, it's very diverse, and kids get along. You know, there's 3,100 kids here, and, um, uh, you know, I do lunch duty every day. We have six lunches of 550 kids in each lunch. And, Gosh, dang. I mean, the, ki- the, kids, the kids don't move. I mean, they, they just, you know, they sit down, they eat lunch, they hang out. And, you know, it's really cool. It's a really cool place. So, you know, it's been good for me because, you know, I went to Loganville and coached there, and this community's not my community. You know, it, you know, it wasn't my community before I came here, but, you know, we were here for about a year. My wife was like, you know, if we're going to stay there, if that's somewhere you want to be for a long time, let's just move over there. And I'm like, oh, God, I prayed for that. I, didn't, I wasn't even going to tell you that, but I prayed for that. Um, so we uh, ended up moving over here. My wife got a job at the uh, elementary school next door. So she was she was a first-grade teacher. Now she's the media specialist. And um, we got two kids, seven and four, and uh, they are a handful and keep me busy and I coach youth baseball, I coach youth football, and I coach youth basketball. <laughs> and uh, I thought I knew something about coaching, and I started coaching my own kids, so I know nothing about coaching. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is a challenge <laughs> to coach your own kid. Um, oh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much A to Z as far as what got me here. So, Coach, I was kind of wanting, and I didn't want to interrupt you because uh, it's awesome, oh, awesome story. But so, so when you do hear people, which I've been, I've been probably guilty of it at times, not necessarily recently, but um, when you do hear people complaining about, man, kids are transferring and transfer portal, uh, does it kind of uh, piss you off a little bit, or, or you know, or, or what's your yeah. kind of thoughts on some of that? Because obviously, it worked out really, really well for you. And plenty of kids, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, you know, I've always been a big proprietor on, you know, different strokes for different folks. But, you know, you can kind of see it both ways as far as where people are, oh, I'm not going to start art, I'm out of here. Um, whereas I was th- I was there three years and, you know, kind of just, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't my mesh, it wasn't my feel. Um, so I wouldn't be – I would, wouldn't say I'm too quick to judge on, on people. Um, I do think – you know, with our generation, uh, it's a lot easier for kids to quit and move on um, now than it used to be. Whereas, I mean, you want to talk about one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. I mean, like I, like I was stressed. I was distraught. I was, I thought I had failed everybody from my hometown. You know, I thought that if I didn't finish my time in South Carolina or if I didn't play, like I was just, you know, like, like I was letting other people down. I mean, so that, that wasn't, it wasn't, it just seems nowadays it's almost like pick up your bag and roll, you know? Um, but now it, it it's great for the kids that need to go somewhere else though. You know I mean? You got kids that come in and, you know, they just, I mean, I think about these kids that go to Alabama and Clemson and, and all these places where they sign, you know, five, five-star kids and you come in, it's like, Hey, you might not play. Like, well, I'm really good. I might play in the league, you know? I mean, yeah, that obviously happened with, with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm at Georgia. I mean, yeah. you know, yep. here he is up for the Heisman, and he wasn't even starting at Georgia. So now you get two sides of the coin. And, I, and believe me, I get to hear all about it and being in uh, UGA land over here. Um, 
But, you know, we had him. We let him go. We didn't play him. What are they thinking? And it's like, yeah, Kirby Sparks, he, he's he's paid to do the thinking. Like, I promise you, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, he's in a position where he knows what he's doing. And, you know, it's just – so it wasn't right for him at the time, I guess. I mean, that's 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 his prerogative, though. I mean, that's you know, you can't really hate on it. I, you know, I hate to see parents get too involved with that. that that's what really – yeah, that that's where I find fault in it is when when people make the jumps when it's very parental influenced and you're better than this and doing all this instead of letting kids fight through adversity themselves and um you know, finding the situation. But dang, you look at the college football playoff and Joe Burrow started at Ohio State and Justin Fields started at Georgia and uh Hertz was at uh Alabama, you know, so <laughs> That's exactly um, right. I mean, I I think it's just the way of the world. I mean yeah, that's uh, we we go through trends, and I think that's one of the trends now. Um, you know, is is that so? You know, I like to mind my own business, honestly. <laughs> I, like, I, got, I got enough problems and, and things in my life that I need to work through and get better myself. So I don't I don't necessarily like pointing fingers at people and telling people their you know their decisions aren't as good as mine and all that other stuff. So sure, I guess that would be my educated thought on that. I guess. I like it. That's like, like I said, I was, I was a little bit more, um, I didn't like it for a while. And I think just maybe the more I've sat on it or the more I've heard opinions like yours, it's made more and more sense to me. Um, and, 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 you know, also talking like, like you just did, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult it probably was. I still think it'd be hard even, even today, obviously to make a huge decision, but, um, at a time when it wasn't as, popular to do and like you said you got to go up to somebody and say hey will you make me some dvds real quick of practice and the last yeah. scrimmages we've had i mean all of that is difficult and then you tell someone oh hey i'm transferring to another school and and you know maybe they haven't even hardly heard of that uh it's a it becomes kind of a i'm sure a lot tougher deal and so like you said especially at quarterback or, or at different different places i mean um, especially at quarterback you could be second best quarterback in the whole country um, but yeah, if, if, if the first guy is the one starting, uh, you may never get to play. Yeah, that's tough. I was gonna say, and, you, know, you know, go ahead. I was, just, I was gonna say, too, you talk about like offensive line, I think it's hilarious too. When you know, there's so many coaches that I've heard say, I, I want to play, I want to play eight, nine, ten offensive linemen. Bull crap. You know, I've, ne- yeah. I've never, I've never seen a place where it's like, I'm, I'm the coach. We're going to play eight, nine, 10 guys. Like, no, they're playing the five dudes. And if those are some underclassmen and they're, and they're, you know, working well together and just rolling, they're, they're not putting someone else in there. So in your case, you're going to get mired too, you know? Yeah. That's what, uh, when we were in South Carolina, we had about, we had about eight guys that, you know, obviously the starting five and three, if they had the, rotate they did um but you know like our left tackle at the time was Travell Wharton who just I mean he just retired from the NFL um a couple of years ago but you think we were taking out Travell Wharton to put somebody else in the block David Pollock at the time you know it's like it was not happening I don't care how much of a, a blow he needs or whatever he's staying in the game you know so so coach you've been at, um, a, at a like you said a big school where you get um, a new pair of gloves for every prayer, you know, and two pairs of cleats and, and you've been there and then you've been, like you said, uh, you've kind of started a school, which has been, um, you know, not as nice a thing. So, uh, when a kid comes to you maybe for advice, what, what's a way that, that you push them, uh, when, when they're trying to, to choose their college, I'm sure it's not 
solely off of that or it may not be off of that at all. But uh, what are some ways you've got some young men that uh, I'm sure are being recruited and, and come to you? What are some, um, some thoughts that you give those guys and some guidance that you try to give to your linemen that are, are being recruited? Yeah, that's a great question because we had several of these. I mean, we got several of these situations going on right now. So we have a, a linebacker this year that, um, I mean, he is he's, – he's the best linebacker I've ever had on my team in high school. I mean, he is just ridiculous. And um, he was actually committed to uh, Memphis for pretty much the whole year. And then the Memphis staff left and went to FSU. And then um, – and then some of the staff from Memphis came and convinced them to stay at Memphis. And then the next day, those guys got hired at FSU. Um, so, I mean, man, he went through this whirlwind. And it, it was really crazy because he's, he's an early enrollee. So, you're talking about he was trying to sign early signing day and be there in January. Um, and then uh, to throw a big wrench into, into things, uh, UGA finally came in because he, he's he was five foot eleven, so he was he was he was good enough to play at one of those places, you know, from from our viewpoint. But you know how they are, you know, as far as the height and measurables and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, so UGA came in right before early signing day and actually offered him basically a gray shirt, you know, a year a year um, non scholarship, and then he had four years on his national letter of intent. So we all thought immediately, hey, dude, he's going to Georgia. I mean, this is this is it, you know, and. I talked to him a little bit, and um, and I've talked to several of our, our other players about similar situations. Cause we got a running back right now. We got the number one running back in Georgia, um, and he's you know he's got offers from everywhere in the planet. And, God dog, you know, yeah, top to top tailback in in Georgia is going to be a, a dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got. I mean, Ohio State, Georgia, you know, every, I mean, everywhere, um, and you know he. We all we all tell kids, and people think I'm going to tell kids to go to where I you know where I learned to go to school or where I. I mean, but that is that is the most ignorant way of thinking whatsoever, um, in my opinion. So, we're very big on telling kids to go where they feel like like they are wanted. Um, go to places where obviously they have your major. That's kids don't think about that stuff. Go somewhere um, where they think that they can fit in in, in the right place and. Um, you know, our running back right now, he, you know, he's obviously looking at everywhere and, and, you know, I'm like, Georgia. I mean, heck, they run the ball, you know, and I, you know, I'm not, a, uh, I hate to say that I hate Georgia, but, you know, not a big fan being in South Carolina, you know, it's a big rivalry and whatnot. But, I mean, you know, if that's his fit and that's where he wants to go and that's going to be set him up for, you know, his career and for um, everything else, I mean, that's what we always stress to kids is, you know, go go to go to where you're wanted, not where you want to go. And that that's the that's the thing with today's age is they see all that stuff. Like Georgia has this big display, and I'm sure all of them have it now. I just I saw Georgia's recently, but like you walk into their locker room, and right when you walk in their locker room, they have this huge like it's basically like a trophy case, but it's got all the different uniforms, all the gloves, all the shoes they get, all the all the swag. You know what kids say. It's got every single like article of clothing they get. I mean, and, and that's just a recruiting tool. Kids go see it and they're like, ah, oh, you know. And you know that's kind of the game now. But um, you know, we get kids that get recruited by obviously major D ones. We get kids that are you know NAIA kids. We get JUCO kids, and it's like, go where somebody where somebody wants you to go. You know, and and they they show you the the right 
proper treatment and where you think you're going to be treated correctly and all that stuff. Cause, uh, you know, four or five years is a long time to spend somewhere where you're not happy or you're not playing or, you know, it's not somewhere where you could live. And we got kids that would go far away from home. We got kids that would stay, you know, they, they can't be too, too far away from home. So, you know, I'm big on, <clears throat> I had a, had an office lineman a couple of years ago and he was considering going to walking on at a school, um, and uh, it was a private school and very expensive. And I said, man, if you were my son, I would tell you, if you want to play football, uh, to go to this school. And it was a school in Georgia where he could have played early and played some. Um, you know, if you want to go, you know, for academics, then go to one of the other schools. Because Georgia, you know, we have the Hope Scholarship where if you have a B average, they basically pay for uh, 85% of your tuition. Wow. Um at any public school, any public college in Georgia. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I guess having my own kids has helped me with that approach too, is, is I take the dad approach is, you know, let's, let's make an educated decision. Let's don't make a decision just based on, you know, what somebody else thinks or what, what we all think, you know, like take your visits and, and go see if it's where you'd be. But I guess that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I, yeah. I, I ask because I don't ever really have uh, – I don't ever feel comfortable with, with the information I, I give to kids, and, and so I try to not influence them at all. I try to tell them, hey, do whatever, do whatever you want to do. Um, talk to your yeah. parents and do what you want to do. But um, I think it's probably important to try to help them out. I just don't ever really know, like you said, it, and, it, and it does. It depends on what each kid wants. and. Um, I had always said when I was going out of college, I was at Houston and we had, um, guys transfer in from OU and Texas and all these places. And they all talked about all the cool stuff they got. And so as soon as I got out of college, I was like, I'm going to tell any kid that has, has a question on where to go, go to the biggest school you can and get all the free stuff that you can. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I always said. Uh, then I got, I got a little older and a little bit, a little bit smarter, but that's what I wanted when I was at Houston. I was like, I'll go to OU and sit on the bench for three years and have all the OU gear in the world, but yeah, uh, but <laughs> well, now, I, you know, I did. Go ahead. No, I just can say now, now I try to think like a parent, like you said, and I'm saying, Hey, go wherever will give you the most money and, and get your college education. Cause um, I'm sure I'm way off on this and old school thinking, but um, I don't really care for the most part. It's, it's all about getting the piece of paper that says you got a degree and, and let's go do that the cheapest way we can do it. So we can start making some money. Yeah, I'm all about that because, you know, I teach financial literacy um, and, you know, getting out of college debt-free, little to debt-free is, is what will set a kid further ahead than anything else. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 that transfer portal, it goes back to that though, man. I, you know, I just told a kid not too long ago, I said, listen, and this is what a lot of people won't tell you this, but if you want to play higher than maybe you should, then go. And if it don't work out, then there is that, you know, like don't go in thinking that go in thinking you're going to play and, and believe that you're going to play and work hard and, and all that other stuff. But I mean, that just adds another level. And I think that's what's happening to these kids that get signed real late and, um, you know, and then they end up transferring, but, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's the kids and it's hard to, it's hard to say it's your decision because they're 18 year old kids and, you know, um, that's a big decision. <laughs> so, uh, like you said, getting out, the cheaper you get out, the better is, is, is the way I look at it too. So, Cause that, 
that percentage that's going to the NFL is, is, is really, really low. Yeah, I think that course that you're teaching too, the financial lit's always been something that I wish I could teach or I wish they would have had, you know, more classes like that when I was in high school, you know, it was kind of just an afterthought, you know, of course, when I was in high school, it'd been like, hey, here's how you balance your checkbook, which now everyone would laugh yeah. at you, like no one carries a checkbook. But I just yeah. think, you know, there's there's so many cool things about, you know, how to save money and compound interest and, and being able to invest in the stock market and, and what are bonds and things like that. You know, I, I've had to just kind of figure out on my own, you know, not even taking classes like that in college. Whereas, you know, like you've been saying, you know, the, the earlier start you get and getting out debt free just sets you up for, for so much more success later on in life. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I... I tell kids all the time, I'm like, look, I, I got a business degree and I got out and nobody had ever taught me this stuff. I'm like, you know, school's a formality, you know I mean? It's, it's as far as, you know, they, they teach you, they teach you how to learn. They don't teach you everything you need to know. Um, but you know, when we do, man, you should see kids eyes. I, I teach. So at Parkview, I teach digital technology. Um, so our two sides are, are business ed and digital technology. So, here, um, I have a, a coworker of mine that she's she's the financial literacy teacher here. So I taught it when I was at Loganville, but I always break off and I tell my kids, I'm like, look, I'm going to go on a tangent at least twice a semester. We're going to talk about college. We're going to talk about how to pick a college. And then we're going to talk about finances. And I'm going to tell every single person in here how to be a millionaire by the time you retire. And kids think you're an idiot. And you're like, it's, I'm not, you know, they think, you know, play the lottery or, you know, let somebody leave me a bunch of money or something. I'm like, no, it's called compound interest. And then you start going through that and they're like, wait a minute, for real? You know, and the first time, my first ever new teacher meeting, this lady got up there and she was talking about 401ks. And she said, if you invest this amount of money for your 30 years teaching, it'll be, I don't know, it was like $350,000 or something when you retire. And I was like, what? okay. And I just put that exact amount, whatever she said that day into an account and took off with it. And then financial literacy has just kind of become a passion to me. Um, yeah. I listen to Dave Ramsey and stuff a good bit, but uh, man, kids are just, I wish they, we, it needs to be like, it needs to be a required class for every single kid to take before they get out of high school. Shoot kids. I need to take it right now, coach. I don't know what any of that stuff is. <laughs> They took me. Hey, they took me into new teacher orientation. I declined everything. I said, "Give me all the money I can get." I said, "If my wife wants oh, me to do something else, we'll sign up for that." Brought her the paper, oh, and I don't know any of that stuff. I'm trying to learn some stuff from Coach Walls, and and maybe one day I'll get it figured out, Coach. But right now, I need to, I need to take the class now. I took a class in high school, and it ended up it was good. I think. I think it was a net positive but it kind of screwed me over a little bit took a class and they were talking about how bad credit cards are and how scary they are <laughs> and, and how horrible it can be for these people so I said that's it if I can't if I can't afford it right now I'm not getting it all that which was good and I never had debt on any credit cards and then um you know I, I rent an apartment in Houston and and had a bunch of different rental stuff um and, and different things and electricity so I'm like all right I'm good so then I go to buy my first house and I'm like, I've paid every single month for four or five years, exactly what I'm supposed to. I've never been late a day in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to crush it on all these percentages and stuff. 
Um, and so I go to buy a house and they say, um, you've got bad no credit. credit. And I said, I got bad credit. <laughs> I, I've never been late a day in my life. We'll say, well, you just don't have any credit. You have no credit to your yeah. name. I'm like, God, dog, I should have been, I should have been using the credit card. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So that's I, what, I think you know, what I you're doing, Coach, Ramsey. is helping them. Yeah, I listen to Dave Ramsey all the time, but some of the stuff he says, I'm like, I just don't know, Dave. I I don't know. Like that works for the very few amount of people, and your your exact example is one of the ones. Is like you go to buy a house, he's like, well, there's ways around it. You can do this and this and this, this and this. I'm like, that's a very complicated way to do that when I could just put fifty dollars in gas a month on my credit card and build my credit card, my credit score up. <laughs> you know. I learned yeah. like I, I was learning it just like on the side because you know my, my roommate in college I was at Nebraska and and he was a finance major so he ended up you know going to Chicago ended up working on the floor in some of the the trade places there and you know he he'd take these classes and he'd have you know the the fake stock market accounts you know and they'd be investing their money for a semester so he's just like hey let's just have like a competition on it or whatever so like you know I pick out like you know, three, four stocks. I don't know what I'm doing. And I just, I just kill him. You know, I got lucky as heck, but you know, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of, you know, feeds that, that urge. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're researching, you know, companies like, you know, you're, we're, we're big, you know, football guys and we're digging into the film and you find it, you know, and I like to win, you know, so you, you kind of start researching these things and finding trends. I mean, to me, it, it, it just, it, it piques a lot of curiosity. And I think the other cool thing about it too, is, I mean, there, there's something there for kids, it, 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 whatever it is, you know, Hey, you, you love Disney movies or you love, you know, there's so many companies out there that, that they can figure things out that I'm trying to drop a lot of that, that financial knowledge, even into what I'm doing, you know, scientifically, like, Hey, this is how yeah. this, you know, this ecosystem, if it falls apart, here's how it affects the economy. And here's how it could affect people's you know, living and showing them the stock market, stuff like that, even though it has nothing to do with science, I'm doing it because I think it's so dang important. Oh yeah. Big time. Well, coach, big, with big your, fo- with your football players, and then obviously with the, with the class you teach and, and then you went and got your masters, is that something, um, at least here in Oklahoma, I look at masters and I see the, the price it's going to cost me. And I see the minimal amount of, of extra money I'm going to make as a high school teacher. And, and almost look at it and see, I, I don't know that it's worth it uh, for me um, as a teacher anyways here in Oklahoma. But is that something when, when you have kids ask you or, or something maybe you talk about in class or with your football kids, is that something that you push those kids to do is, is go forth and, and work and get that master's? Or is that something, uh, do you think that is worth it? And, and are you glad that that's something that you went after? Yeah, so – I actually have a seven-year degree. I have a specialist degree, which is uh, different states call it different things. Master's plus 30, um, pre-dissertation, some call, but it's called a specialist degree uh, in Georgia. So it's it's another, in Georgia, six to $7,000 increase um, in your annual salary. So I got my master's before I ever started teaching at Georgia, like I told y'all. And then after my first year teaching, I, I went into this program. So I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for, I'm going to have it for 28 years and I'm going to make the dang most of it. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I think that really depends on what they want to do. If they're teaching, um, I mean, simple math does, you know, 5,000 times 30 is 150 K. So, um, you know, if you, if you spend $10,000 on your master's, 
you're going to make just in simple math 150k or 145 or 140 whatever from um from from just your initial investment plus what more you're going to make in your retirement because your salary is going to be higher so um you know if you're going into just the normal workforce depending on what you're doing um you know it, it depends you know one one cool thing that i've always um you know, considered was my MBA, and, and I think I'm too far along in teaching right now. I don't think it really benefited me, but I, I always thought it was just one of those cool, like, status symbol type things. Like, and I'm not really into status symbols either, but like, MBA, you know, that's, that's MBA. I'm like a master businessman, you know. Um, but, you know, I really just think that that determines the field. And there was an article that our superintendent just shared, actually, and it was it was last night. Um, and I sent it to our department because, you know, I'm in the career tech department. So we're big on, on skills, um, you know, more, more so than degrees. And it was, it was saying, I'm trying to find it, but um, it was basically saying that, um, you know, skills are what's getting people hired nowadays, not degrees. Um, and one thing I talk to my classes about all the, all the time is kids, man, they're, they're, they're so engulfed in their phones, they're losing out on those personal skills. Whereas I feel for sure if I go into an interview, regardless of what's on my paper, I feel pretty good that I'm going to be able to talk my way um, into something, you know, and oh, yeah. I always tell kids, yeah, I tell kids, I'm like, you, you know, you got to be, be able to sell a popsicle to an Eskimo. That's what I was told a long time ago. Um, and, uh, that article said at JP Morgan and Chase, more than three quarters of the jobs posted last year did not require a bachelor's degree. Absolutely. Which is pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, for our department, that's like, yes, told you so, you know, exactly. but then people see, but then, but then all people also go, oh, so you're telling kids not to go to college? And we're like, no, it depends <laughs> on what they want to do, you know? It's yeah, like, that's right. My mom's, my mom's a nurse, she's an RN. And RNs have a two-year RN degree and a four-year RN degree. And some, some RNs can go into four years, and they can get into managerial positions and different positions that two years can't. But my mom, you know, can make 75 to 100K a year with a two-year RN degree, you know? Like, so if she don't want to do that, why go spend two more years of, of money, you know, and, and prolong it and spend more money than if that's, you know, what you're capable of? and I really think, and I tell kids all the time, I'm like, you need to make as much money as you want to make and that you need to make. You know, whatever money that you think you can live comfortably, you know, and do the things you want to do, that's the job you need to get. And, and, and kids think it's so hard or it's really, really simple, you know. And one thing I try to tell kids all the time is like, hey, if you want to go to California and work, they have jobs there, you know, like if you want to go to Hawaii and work, they have jobs there. If you want to go to England and work, they have jobs. Like you're really open to whatever you want to do, you know, and, and kids are so transfixed by their surroundings and being here and all the other stuff. And it's like, you know, if, if you have goals and aspirations, then write stuff down, figure out what it takes and go do it. I mean, it's really that simple. So if, if your master's degree is going to benefit you and, it's worth your time and your money, then do it. If not, then, then don't. And some, <laughs> some people, they get, they get hired and their company says, Hey, I want you to go get a master's degree. We'll pay for it. And then you go, okay, well, 
that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, I, I hadn't even never thought about this, but that's one of the great things probably about football is, is those communication skills, at least on the offensive line. Um, there's no option to, like you said, be on your phone all the time at practice or with your coach. It's, it's all, and, and that was one of the things that, uh, it's funny you talk about interview or, or whatever. That was one of the things that I always thought, man, if I can ever just, any job that I need, um, if I can just go talk to the people, they'll want to hire me. I can BS with yeah. anybody and, and I can, I can come off, I think sounding pretty good. Um, and, and I think probably a lot of it, you know, comes from football. Um, and, and the kids that I get to work with, at least now in football, obviously, um, you know, everyone talks about how people are on their phones all the time. And, and it's true, I am too. But um, those kids aren't on their phone. They may be in class when they're not supposed to be, uh, but they're not when they're at football. I mean, they're off of it. They're communicating. They're thinking. They're doing all of this. And, and um, I think that, obviously, I think phones are awesome. I, I use mine all the time. But um, I think that's just another added benefit, especially on the offensive line, as much communication as we've got to do. Um, it, it's something that they're, they're getting better at every single day, and, and, and it's better for their lives and something that uh, I've never even noticed as a coach. But they've got to do it every day. Oh, yeah. And that's – you know, the O-line's always been a brotherhood. I mean, it's – I try to explain to people, but – you know, I, I just – I really do think it's one of those ones that if you didn't play it, if you didn't experience it, it's just really hard to explain to people. But, um, you know, our kids they, at all the schools I've been to, I mean, it's just it's just a different position. It's so unselfish. I mean, it's, you deal with – luckily for us, you don't get a lot of uh, ragamuffins is what my, my coach would have said. You don't get a bunch <laughs> of uh, turds. You know, you don't get kids that – um or selfish or want to do this and, and right. the only, only way i see that in high school nowadays is is i'm a d lineman oh you're one of those guys so you're not <laughs> skilled enough to play o-line That's so you're right. good enough to play d-line i got you i got you um but yeah i mean we as far as communication we you know, those guys communicate a ton like you said i mean they they have to every single play and that's that's one of the things i reiterate in practice all the time i'll just walk up to their heels and, you know, I'm like, I don't hear anything. I mean, our, our guys, my guys, and they've gotten so good at this is, you know, we, we will call a dummy check or we'll call something, uh, you know, where we don't have a play and they're sitting there calling our, hey, hey, 54, hey, 54, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, whatever. I mean, they're just saying all kinds of random crap. And I'm like, what's the play? And they're like, we don't have one. I'm like, oh, there you go. That's good. That's good. Um. So, yeah, that football is just – I mean, it's its the greatest game on earth. I mean, it's the greatest team sport on earth. My, my high school coach used to say that all the time. Coach Godfrey says it all the time. But, I mean, you know, there, there's a, most other sports one person or individual can take over. And, you know, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow right now. But, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't throwing up the ball and catching it himself. He had some dang good receivers last night catching the ball. Um, you know, you saw the picture of his O-line that looked like dang – WWE uh, lineup. Um, I mean, he had people blocking for him and and all that other stuff. I mean, it's the greatest team sport on earth. I mean, it's, there's there's no no doubt about it. And it teaches kids so much um, beyond football. That's the, that's one of the coolest things is you get kids to come back to school and and they're like, coach, uh, you know, thanks for all you did there, but thanks for all you did here, 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 and here, and, and this is why I'm doing it. And, you know, this is my 14th year in, so I'm getting to the point to where you know, I'm I'm starting my own 
like O-line coaching tree. I've got a kid that's a varsity offensive line coach at a, another 7A school in Georgia. I've got another kid that um, coaches with us at Parkview while he's he's in his uh, undergrad. And, um, you know, I've got another kid I coached my first year. He's a varsity offensive line coach at another 5A school. So, you know, that that's the cool stuff to see. Um, and, and that's the stuff that kids learn is, is – you know, like you said, the communication, not being on the dang phone all the time, being out fighting through adversity and working with their brothers, you know. Coach, yeah, how good did it – I was going to say, how good did it feel last night to see uh, Clemson get beat, though? Um, I hate Clemson with everything <laughs> in my soul. Um, so, last night on Twitter I said, you know, the, the targeting rule, oh, my gosh, I just – you know, I don't agree. One, I don't agree with the kids getting, like, have to go sit in the locker room. That Like, take their pads off or something. Man, come on, that dude has poured his life into this. And because he hit somebody with the top of his helmet, he's got to go sit in the locker room. So, that's bull crap. So, last night, I, I kind of posted that. And I was like, but go LSU. You know, I hate If you're Gamecock, man, you know, you're going to hate Clemson. Uh, there's, hate there's it no for doubt. the kid, I mean, but I, I love it for the university. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I do hate it for the kid, but, man, they, they are a thorn in our side right now. And, you know, luckily we beat Georgia this year, so that um, that uh, relieved a little bit around here. Um, so if we can beat Georgia or Clemson in any given year, it's a pretty good year regardless if we go 1-10 and 10 or 1-11. <laughs> so. I think that's – I think Walls is is – Maybe not the hatred level, but I think he's almost in the same boat uh, living around uh, Iowa and Iowa State and being a uh, Cornhusker fan. Oh, okay, you're a Cornhusker? (laughs) Got to be, man. That's where I went. I hear you. I hear you. That's uh, that's, that's O-line haven of the day. They uh, had some big ones. Back in the back in the day, back when I was getting recruited too. I mean, they were that's what they were known for. So the I old think, pipe, um, the old pipeline. They're trying to trying to get it rolling again. It's it's been a while, but hey, I think they will. I'm patient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm a South Carolina fan. I gotta be patient, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, well, coach, it, it's off season right now, um, but. And and I'm sure there's rules. I don't know all you know all the rules of every different state. But when you guys do get to start talking football, maybe not necessarily um, walking through it or going through any football. But when you start getting to talk some football with your offensive line and start doing some kind of installs, um, what are what do you think? Maybe what are the first things going to be that you're going to install with your guys? All right. So in Georgia, you pretty much if you don't have a ball you can pretty much do whatever you want to, if that makes sense. So that sounds really like we can do whatever we want to, but I'm an O-lineman, so we don't ever have a ball really unless the center has sure. one snap. So I could go out there and I could do whatever we really wanted to at this point. Um, we highly stress our kids play other sports. Though. I mean, we are big proprietors of that. I mean, you know, Parkview's traditions kind of with us being so good in so many other sports, we're, we're big on that stuff. So, you know, we, we try not to do football, um, you know, right now, just, just so kids go compete. I mean, we got kids wrestling right now, obviously track and baseball and lacrosse and, uh, tennis started, um, yesterday. Um, and I would say, you know, maybe two thirds of our team plays another sport, you know, in the spring and that might be a little high, but, um, so I usually at this point in the year, I usually meet with my returning 
O-linemen, and we go through their last season. We go through, you know, all the grades and stuff that, you know, in games if, if they were a varsity offensive lineman. And then we talk about things they need to improve on, things they need to do. So it, it's more of a classroom um, type thing right now. Um, you know, we, we did a weight loss thing last year. I thought I had a group of five – they were all either juniors or sophomores uh, the season before last, and I thought we just played sluggish and we were just a little bit, you know, not in the right shape we needed to be. So um, I needed to lose some weight, and most of them needed to lose some weight. So I went on a diet with them last January, and we ended up losing, I want to say it was like 95 pounds between the five of us or between six of us. Um so I've got one or two that are in that boat right now, and every January I'm always in that boat. So I'll probably go on another diet with them here um, coming up. But, you know, as far as our install, we are we are very complicated and very simple in the same sense. So as an O-line, you know, if you don't – with the way our premise is, with how much stuff we do in Georgia, you know, we're – we have two weeks of spring football in uh, May, and then pretty much in the summer we're Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, added into all the other camps and stuff, 707 stuff we do. So by the time we step foot on the field in August, um, if you're wondering who you block on a play, then you're probably not going to play for us. Um, all that stuff is pretty much pretty much clarified before we ever step foot on the field because when we get on the field, we want to be full go for that two hours or so that we do because, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have a big program. So we, we don't have many crossover guys. We have a couple that play um, a couple positions. So we, we get on the football field. It's, it's two hours of offense or two hours of defense and we get after it. So off season's really a season for our kids to hopefully play and compete in other sports. And, um, you know, like our program, we have every kids in first period weight training uh, in our program. So they get weight training every Monday through Friday throughout the school year. So um, that part's kind of taken care of there. And then, um, you know, as far as closer to springtime, I believe it's like March, April, uh, we start doing workouts with the middle school kids um, twice a week. And then we start meeting with offense one day a week, defense one day a week. And, um, you know, anything else we do is just – you know, for added measures. So um, I'll take the O-line out every now and then and do some other things. But that's kind of how we handle January um, through May and then uh, May through August. Coach, you said a little bit about, you know, baseball and, and some of those other sports. You know, who were some of the guys you kind of followed growing up? Uh, you know, my, my dad was always a, a baseball coach and a baseball guy, a college player too, and, and it kind of broke his heart. Just for, for me, the, the game was just a little bit too slow. So I know, you know, football and basketball are going to kind of be my thing just because I always felt like there was there was more action. You know, what kind of – who are some of the guys you kind of followed in baseball? And when did you, you kind of know you're like, ah, you know what, I don't know if baseball is my thing. So being in Atlanta, obviously Braves fan, huge Braves fan. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I grew up uh, – you know, I was – I was 10 years old um, in 91, which is when the Braves won the pennant for the first time. And uh, I was at, I was, I was actually hunting with uh, some, uh, my stepdad and some other people. And we were watching it on this uh, black and white TV, like antenna TV when uh, we won the pennant and we're going crazy. And 
Um, so every old head Braves guy um, there was, and I've got a great story about this because I saw Chipper Jones. I met Chipper Jones at a concert um, about, I'm trying to think how many years ago this was, eight or nine years ago. Um, and I said, I'm Chipper, you know, like I'm not, like, I don't, you know, celebrities is not really a big thing to me, you know, whatever. But when I saw Chipper, I was like, I'm taking a picture with that sucker because I might not ever see him again, whatever. So I go over there. Um, and, of course, he's got a dip in his mouth. And, so you had uh, to have a huge chaw in. Oh, there's no doubt. So I put my arm around him. I said, Chipper, I said, you've always been my second favorite Brave. And he looked at me with the, like, most, like, distraught look. <laughs> he said, what? And I said, Dale Murphy, bro. And he was like, I respect that. And I was like, okay, cool. And we took a picture. So, um, growing up, Dale Murphy was, like, my number one. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was a pitcher, too. So, I loved Tom Glavin. I loved, I mean, Greg Maddox. I go read Greg Maddox stories today. Like, I, I mean, I, I still go back and read through the analytics and stuff, the w stuff he was doing before we had all this technology and stuff and the way he was charting data, data and, um, you know, I mean, there was a story about him saying, hey, Chipper, on the third pitch, I'm going to throw this ball here and he's going to pop up to you and we're going to win this game. And, and, like, he did it, you know, and, like, Chipper told that story at one of his – it might have been his Hall of Fame thing or something. I can't remember, but um, – yeah, I mean, pretty much all the Braves, you know, when I, and I was telling somebody this the other day, you know, when I was a kid, when we, when we were a different team, we always picked a jersey number of somebody that was on his team. So if I was the White Sox, I was Frank Thomas, man. I was, I was big hurt. You know, if I was the Cardinals, I was Mark McGuire. If I was uh, the Marlins, and that's before Tom Glavin went to the Braves, but he was with the Marlins, I was, I was Tom Glavin. So you know, my kids now, you know, my kid wears my number or whatever, you know, it's like the same number every single year, regardless. Um, but man, I, you know, it, baseball was awesome to play, but like you said, I like going to a Braves game every now and then, but I cannot sit in my living room and watch nine innings of baseball. Like I can watch 10 football games in a row. I, mean, I'll, I could care less about any of the four teams in the NFL this weekend, but I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch every minute of both games. Um, because it's just, it's just different watching it than it is playing it. Yeah. Coach, I had a favorite Brave, um, and he's not popular outside of baseball um, because he right. said some, some pretty horrible things probably. But um, <laughs> at the time before he said that, my Rock. guy was John Rocker. John Rocker. Rocker nice. ran to the mound and got in fights oh, yeah. on the mound. Uh, so oh, yeah. John Rocker was my guy until he went a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but at least yeah. on the baseball field, my guy here in Oklahoma, uh, my Braves guy was John Rocker. Nice. That's, uh, <laughs> he, he was right after Mark Wollers, I think. Mark uh -huh. Wollers was our closer for a while. Then we had Rocker, and then obviously Smoltz went into the bullpen for a little while. And, yeah, I mean, we had, we had, we had a good run of closers there. We, we can't find anybody to close games now, but um, – <laughs> We closed I, some games back then. I guess at least you guys aren't the Astros, though. I guess they just got both yeah. their people fired. Man. <laughs> so, so you saw the Red Sox, you know, let go of their coach today. And, um, yeah, because he was – well, I guess he was with the Astros. Was he with the Astros in some – Yeah, they're oh, saying wow. he, was the, he was like the brains of the operations with their claim, and I don't uh, know the whole story. but See, and I don't, I don't know what's going to go on, but – a tight end that we had at Loganville. Um, he probably graduated in 2010, 2011. 
Um, his dad is actually the hitting coach of the Red Sox. So I saw that today, and I'm like, oh, my God, I hope Tim still has his job because he has worked so hard to get there and done so well, and they're such a great family. So, I mean, that stuff's crazy, man. I mean, that – I'm sure a hitting coach yeah. though wouldn't wouldn't want to try to find a, a pitcher's tips though. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I just figured well, all was legal. I thought that, all that of was it. The Astros though, so hopefully, hopefully that, yeah. that's right. That's I thought it was your, always legal. I thought slate. I thought that's what you wanted to do was try to steal signals. They, but I always oh, heard at second I mean, base. I was I just watching on ESPN, like, they, they've been doing it. Like, they say Bobby Thompson, you know, the shot heard around the world. They're, they were yeah. saying he was tipped off. There was, like, a whole deal. I just watched ESPN tonight. Like, they had oh, a whole, like, like, a deal to freaking, like, buzz in. Like, so it was, like, two buzzes was a fastball or a curve. I mean, they had a whole system. This was back in the 50s. So, like, they'd have, yeah. they had a guy they had a guy sitting in the, in the stands with a telescope so he could see the signs. That is crazy. And he was <laughs> buzzing them back and then, and they didn't do anything. I mean, I guess it's the technology now that that makes it, but that makes it illegal or whatever. But I mean, I remember in high school, we we had somebody that I mean, he just sat there and watched the other team yeah. and tried to still say. I mean, that was just that's part. That's the fun part of the game. The football. I remember, the time. A, I remember pitching in a summer league game, and we had four people doing signals, and we had a coach sitting on a bucket, and if his hand was open, it was a fastball. If his hand was closed, it was a curveball. Uh-huh. If they <laughs> like, say your first name, it's fastball. If they say let's go your yeah. last name, the the curveball's yeah. coming. Yeah. They didn't they didn't That's have to steal right. my signals when I was a pitcher. All I did was was throw the fastball. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, two I had two, pitch, I was, two I was pitch cranking it. I probably hit more people on O2 than anything because I said O2. It, oh, it means boy. I get to go back and here it comes. <laughs> and I couldn't tell oh, you where boy. it was going. I always thought it was so cool those pitchers that or the coaches that were like, hey, you got to be smart with your 0-2 pitch or your whatever, uh, you know, 1-2 pitch and not put it in the right spot. Like, Coach, you're giving me way too much credit. I'm trying to throw it yeah. hard. And I'm trying to – I'm throwing really – I try to throw it right down the middle every time. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you actually oh, where it's going to go. Yeah, that, that, that would not fly around, around here right now. <laughs> that would not fly at our, in our program. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's grip it and rip it, I guess. <laughs> that's right. Hey, let's like, go. Like there, there's so many people. I mean, you talk about being a, a Braves fan and, and whatever. I mean, like I, I know so many, so many people where I grew up in freaking South Dakota that you know were Braves fans or Cubs fans because like TBS, that was the only, yeah, TBS and, and WGN were the only the only yep. channels on. You mean I, I I wanted to be a Twins fan, but the Twins games were never on. I mean, until they came up with. <laughs> With, you know, Fox Sports North, you know, you really couldn't watch any of the games. Yeah. You, you either listen to it on the radio, you know, or you, yeah. you'd have to go watch your, your cable chat. Just like the reason I was a Bulls fan, same thing. Bulls were on WGN. Or it was either the Bulls or the Hawks. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy how, you know, I mean, I, I knew all those guys, too, from, from TBS watching those games all the time, listening to Skip Carey and those guys call it. Like, yeah, dude, they, that's my childhood. They called yeah, I mean, they called the Braves like the America's team back then because, I mean, especially the Midwest, but, I mean, not many people had, you know, any other channels or didn't didn't have their people shown unless they were in a major city. But, I mean, yeah. Ted Turner, that's pre- it's pretty smart of him to uh, have a channel, buy a program, and then mm-hmm. show that nationwide. You know, that's, that's pretty dang smart. Yeah, it um, up really well for so, him. So, 
you wear brave stuff i mean anywhere and i mean anywhere in the country and you see somebody that's like go brave you know like you're like yeah wait, wait a minute Why? what um so it's cool and still the, be- the best the best commercial of all time still too is is uh glavin and maddox with the chicks dig the long ball oh yeah <laughs> hands down still my favorite commercial all the time yeah that's a good one well, coach, we're running up on an hour, and it's been uh, it's been a blast, man. We've had I, I've had it uh, about as much fun as I have on one of these. But um, uh, I know your your wife's got the birthday, and and uh, you're spending <laughs> it here talking football with us. Yeah, uh, but, she's already asleep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, well, the perfect. <laughs> um, so, but but the one question I always love to ask guys is, uh, you know, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, finishing is probably one of the bigger ones. Um, you know, I, I, I don't do it as much as I need to. Um, I try to watch them in game sometime, but we're under the tent so much. Um, we, we do so much. I mean, I grade my kids so, I guess, intricate. I mean, I, I want my kids to know on every single play what they did wrong and, what, and whatnot. And then we put in so much data and stuff for the next team, you know, as far as defense. So I don't watch other O-lines as much as I probably should. But, um, you know, one thing this year is is we kind of altered our stance. So, you know, I've always been pretty neutral in my stance. And, um, you know, I, I thought that was the way to do it. And, you know, that's the way it's always been. And I saw all these people with these open stances and, you know, like the OLP stuff, you know, he, he does a lot of the stuff on, on Twitter and I follow him. And, watch some other programs and a lot of them are going to that and you know you're getting guys on defense that are so much more rangy and athletic and I mean we're in 7A Georgia I mean it's we, we play some dudes I mean you know we played uh you know two two DNs in the final four they're both going to LSU so um that was really fun um for them I guess <laughs> oh yeah blast <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I like adapting, you know, I, I like teaching my guys the way that I feel helps them be successful, not something you read in a book or whatnot. So, um, I don't want to say I'm unorthodox, but I just, you know, I like to teach them how I played and how I did it. And, and then they got to figure out what works for them. So when I watch other people, you know, if I, if I see somebody, um, you know, taking our guys that we struggle blocking in practice um, and putting them on the ground and finishing them and um, and then coming back the next play and doing something. That's what, you know, I go back and I'm like, you know, that dude's coaching them suckers up the right way. You know, that's, uh, you know, the thing about high school is we don't get to pick our kids. You know, we don't get to pick six foot five, 300 pound kids. So uh, two years in a row, I've had a kid that was six foot, 205 pounds. And I mean, we shouldn't have that being 7A, but I mean, O-line is, I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but, you know, it's one of those positions that, that just doesn't, um, you know, kids are just shy away from it because it's, it's, it's the last bus stop. It's not the first bus stop. So um, to see kids, you know, finish, I had a kid last year that was very undersized. And I mean, you know, he would get pushed back some, but by the end of the play, he was going forward or, or he was like a, a, a South Georgian gnat. I mean, he was all over you. And um, man, give me five of those kids, you know. And that's when I when I see other schools that you know have those guys that um, 
you know, come off the dang ball hard and, and, and put their hands in the right place and move their feet and take grand angles on pools and, you know, just finish plays. I mean, because, you know, you watch some teams and you're like, oh, wow, so-and-so sacked so-and-so. Well, let's see what the O-line did. Oh, he didn't do anything, you know, like um, – so, we, you know, in Georgia we're very fortunate as far as uh, – fortunate in the fact that well, we got a lot of good coaches because there's a lot of good football played here. So, um, there's a lot of stuff to steal and, and we got a lot of good guys that – We'll sit down and talk with you, and, um, you know, I've made a lot of O-line friends, you know, just at the hog football chat that I do, um, which is, um, I guess, when Coach Banks put me on to you guys, um, and that's about one of the only ones I do, but, um, you know, we, we go to the Glazier clinics, and we go to AFCA sometimes, Nike clinics, and all that other stuff, but, um you know, at the end of the day, you can steal all you want to from other people or, or get ideas and all that stuff, but then you got to get kids to do it. And I think that's the biggest piece of coaching is getting a kid to not only listen and understand, but then do it or at least try to do it, you know. Um, and I think you can be very successful on the offensive line if if you get high school kids that, that, that believe what you say, take – you know, great pride in it and then try to do it. Cause you're not going to have, you know, five SEC kids blocking. Um, but if you got ones doing, you know, the right things and being in the right place, then, then you can be successful, you know, and, and we, one of the biggest, one of my biggest challenges, and sorry if I'm rambling here, but, um, you know, one of my biggest challenges when I first got to Parkview is we do all this RPO stuff now and, you know, we'd be pulling on counter and we throw the quick screen and I'm like, why is the DN turning away and running outside? Like we're trying to kick him out. What is going on? You know? And, um, yeah, I got to teach my kids. Hey, look, if you're going to pull out, if you're going to pull and kick out and the DN turns his back to you and runs away, that means we're probably through the screens. That means you need to turn up field, get your eyes backside and try to hit somebody. Um, you know, and when you get kids that finally do stuff like that, you're like, you know, that that's that's satisfying and that that's where it clicks and um mm -hmm. you know, that's when the successful teams um do. So like I said, we're very fortunate in the state of Georgia to have a whole bunch of good teams. It makes it hard every every Friday, but um it makes it fun too though. Well yeah, Coach man, it's been it's been a blast and I know uh the Atlanta area is is, is kinda like number two for us with, with RTP. So we, we get to meet a, a ton of coaches in, in the, the Atlanta area that you know, the whole state of Georgia and and I honestly I, I love going down there. That's why, you know, it's fun to to talk baseball. You know, like I said, my dad's a big baseball fan and baseball is huge in, in Georgia and then you know, we didn't get to talk much golf. You know, you said you grew up on, you know, the, the, the 18th hole there. So I don't know which golf you play, but I know, you know, with the Masters and everything down there that, you know, I've loved to go yeah. down to Georgia and play play a little bit of golf. I so I've known a, a couple of guys down there I, too. So I just love – I love the area, man. I won the Masters lottery for the first time ever this year. <laughs> I've been in it for like 10 years, and I got Tuesday tickets this year, man. So I am fired up. So um, – that's... I'm sick on April the seventh. Uh, I gotta put my sick leave in for April the seventh. I will not be at school. I will be at the Masters. That is that is a dream for me. That's uh, definitely on the bucket list. I, if you know, I put in every year. Still, obviously, haven't got tickets, but it would be automatic. But 
if it comes down to it, I'll, I'll buy one of the packages. And if I got to pay thousands to do it, I, I won't even, I won't even bat an eye because to me, that's, that's the ultimate. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, again, coach, appreciate you coming on. Like I said, man, we had a blast. You could have sat here and done this for three hours. So this is, this is yeah, what man. makes it fun, man. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Yeah, man. Y'all let me know if you ever need anything, man. And good luck to you guys. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.